0: And coming to her, he said, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at what was said and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of David his father, and he will rule over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Then the angel departed from her. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. At what point does a house become a home? You know it's kind of a difficult question to answer because in some ways it seems like almost the same thing but in other ways we know that there's a big difference between a house because of course it's a structure built of concrete and sticks and windows and glass and rooftops and all of that. It's a structure. On the other hand a home is something in a way altogether different, it might inhabit inside a house. But a home is a place, of course, where people are welcomed. A home is a place where sufferings are endured with great patience and perseverance. A home is a place where joys are celebrated with abandon. A home really is a place where memories are made and then protected in the sweet recall of them brings us happiness a home is a web of relationships of mothers and fathers and husbands and wives and little kids and eventually grandkids a place they all call home maybe it's not till a few Christmases further on that a house really becomes a home in today's readings, on this fourth Sunday of Advent, there's a lot of talk about houses. In the first reading, we have King David and he's being very, very pompous and he's being very proud of the fact that he's conquered all his enemies and he's united the kingdoms of Israel and Judea and, and he's got a palace for himself in Jerusalem and he's sitting pretty, pretty, pretty nice. He's sitting in the catbird seat, as they would say. And so he comes up with this idea, I'm in a good place. I've got a house, I've got a palace. Look at this home that I built for myself out of the best cedar in the world. Shouldn't God also have a home at least as good as mine? So he says, I'm going to build God a house. I'm going to build him something wonderful. We're going to store the Ark of the Covenant in there and get it out of that dirty old tent and we'll have a place, we'll have a house for God. And he asks the prophet Nathan, is this okay? Can we do this? Nathan sort of says, sure, go ahead. You know, knock yourself out. Build your house for the Lord. (laughs) But then Nathan goes home and he has a good sleep. And he has a dream. And he comes back to David the next day. And he says, "Uh, uh, uh-uh-uh, not so fast, buster. (laughs) You, You, who are you to think that you should build a house for God when God is the one who does the house building around here. God has been building a house far more than a house, not just of marble and cedar and sticks and stones and all of that. But God has been, in a sense, building a home for himself among your people for centuries, far longer, far earlier than you ever came on the scene, King David. Way back with Abraham, way back with Moses, way back with Joshua, way back with the early prophets. God has been doing this wonderful work of building a home among you. God wants to be with you. God has made a covenant with your people. God desires to be with you in your sufferings and in your joys and in your comings and your goings and your births and your deaths. That's the kind of God we're dealing with here. And the last thing that God needs is for you, you royal punk, (laughs) to build him a house. He's been hard at work for centuries upon centuries upon centuries, building a home for himself among your people. Well, God also promises through the prophet Nathan that he's going to continue building that home among Israel's people. That that David can't get too proud of himself because David's going to die one day and David's going to leave behind his bones like everyone else and his flesh will disappear from the face of the earth. But God will continue his work God will continue to build, in a sense, a house for David, but not a house made of sticks and stones, a house of people of faith who will come after him, who will welcome God into their midst and allow God then to build a home for himself among the people of Israel. David could never have foreseen, not in a million years how that plan of God for his own homecoming would unfold. But we pick up the story, you know, a couple hundred, several hundred years later, with the angel Gabriel suddenly knocking at the door of a little girl named Mary in a small little village called Nazareth. And we kind of know the story well, but maybe it's good to sort of reimagine it a little bit. Gabriel knocks at the door and he says, may I come in? And Mary says in Hebrew or Aramaic, the equivalent of, mi casa es tu casa. My house is your house. My home is your home. Come on in. Like any guest knocking at my door, you are always welcome here. Not just to the house, but to the home that we've built here with our family. Come in and sit at the table and let me get you a cup of tea or maybe a coffee, a strong coffee, or, or, or maybe a little tortilla or a bun or something. Let me feed you. That, that kind of hospitality that is so present in the Middle East and the Holy Land is, it would certainly have been there in those days. In the moment Gabriel knocks at the door, Mary would certainly have said, ah, oh, come on in. You are an honored guest in our home. And that's when Gabriel sort of unfolds the story. He, he makes the pitch to Mary, he makes the ask. Says, okay, Mary, you have shown yourself to be extraordinary at the gift of hospitality. You welcome and you welcome and you welcome. Nobody's turned away at your door, not even me, this mysterious angel who you could have just said, go on, get on your way don't need the problem today, (laughs) that you've welcomed me in, not even knowing what I was going to say to you, not fearing me at all. So Mary, this is what God would like from you. God would like your home to become his home. God would like to ask you to finish the work that was begun with Abraham, continued with Moses, with the prophets, with King David even, and allow not just your house, but your person, your body, yes, even your womb, to become the home of God so that God can be here in the flesh himself with you and with your family and with your people and with all the world, really, in flesh and blood himself so that he can know with you the sufferings of life and how difficult it is to to carry them off day after day after day so that he can be here with you. And know the joys of human life what it is to have a new baby what it is to to be blessed by friendship what it is to be loved and to love in return to experience all those things that are part and part of of human life the joys of life God wants to be part of that with you he wants your home to be his home your people to be his people your flesh and your blood to be his flesh and your blood. Well, that's a big ask. <laughs> but Mary, being a person deeply, deeply alive with the spirit of hospitality, with the spirit of welcome, with the spirit of mi tukasa," tu casa, says, of course, Gabriel, Of course, God can make this home his home. He's God after all. Of course, God can make my person his home. God can make my womb his home. God can make my family his family. God can make my people his people. God can live with us in flesh and blood and know with us the sufferings and the joys of life. Of course, Gabrielle, tell God I'm good with all of this. I'm the handmaid of the Lord. And that welcome into the home of Mary and not just the house of Mary is is what we are celebrating in these late hours of the Advent season and in the feasts to come. She stands as a model for us. Unlike David, who was a little bit, um, well, I don't know, kind of goofy when it came to his pride at being able to build in God a house. Mary says, God, come. Come make this home your home. Come make this world your world. Come make our flesh and blood your flesh and blood. And that's a beautiful example for us in these late hours of Advent because it reminds us so deeply of just how important it is not just to be hospitable when it comes to our homes, but also how important it is when we welcome someone into our home to recognize that indeed God is taking flesh in that welcome. Our houses are more than houses. Our houses have become homes because we have lived in them, because we have suffered in them, because we have rejoiced in them, because we have held together our memories in them. And into that house, into that home, we too are asked to invite God in many forms, in many ways invite God in, to sit God down at our table, to let God become flesh and blood in our midst. That's the great challenge of those who follow Jesus and indeed follow the example of Mary in this first great story of the Christmas season. We, like Mary, are called to say, come on in, to God himself, Mi casa is tu casa. My house is your house. My home is your home. My body is your body. My spirit is your spirit. My people are your people. My family are your family. Come on in, God, and bless us with your presence. Bless us with your joy. Bless us with your light in your life. Most of all, bless us simply by being with us in our home.